Welcome to the Bad for Business podcast by The Founders Fund. The Bad for Business podcast uncovers the real unfiltered stories behind the success of unconventional, disruptive, and downright bad for business entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Vivian Kay. Are you interested in joining a community of bad for business women identifying founders? If you're interested in getting access to funding, mentorship, and education for your business, visit us at foundersfund.ca to become a member. Let's do this. Maggie Patterson is the digital director and founder of Scoop Studios, a boutique content marketing agency with a singular promise to their clients to simplify their content marketing. Maggie is also the founder of Small Business Boss, which helps entrepreneurs build a BS-free service business. And she's also the host of BS-free service business podcast. Woo! Say that three times. In my chat with Maggie, we talked about how she went from working in a PR agency to branching out on her own and how she is setting Instagram on fire with her bold, truthful drags of the current landscape of the online coaching industry. You're going to want to sip some tea for this. Enjoy. Hello, Maggie. How are you? Fabulous. I'm super excited to be here with you because I know we are going to be incapable of staying on any. Oh, absolutely not. We are not staying on topic. <laughs> so, you know what, let's just start. Let's just start from the beginning because um, I'm pretty sure you were a pretty interesting kid. So take us back to when you were a kid. What was life like, your family structure, the cultural upbringing, your hometown? Tell me all about that. So I'm born and bred in Ottawa and, um, you know, I grew up very downtown in a very like kind of I realized now it was very kind of a kooky environment. Like it was not my neighborhood growing up was very like a mixed bag of everything you could ever imagine. So like for me, imagining entrepreneurship started at a very young age because I was like, oh, my mom's, you know, my, my best friend's mom's a consultant. My dad's a, a photographer. Oh, this person's an artist. And I was, you know, I'm so grateful for that now because I was exposed to so many different things. So like when I got out in the real world, I was like, what? It's not all like my kooky neighborhood. What are you talking about? And I grew up in a very like what would look like from the outside, a very normal family, you know, two parents, all of that. Um, it was definitely a challenging environment. I'll say that. And I mean, I was a very messy kid as a result. I was very, uh, I was just not like the good girl that I was supposed to be. I had a lot of emotional regulation issues and like I was, you know, I struggled in school. So I think, you know, that resulted in a lot of things for me, just learning to be like, you know what, I'm going to do this my way because that was the only way I was going to survive through some of that. So, and you know, the funny thing is now I work with my sister and she has such a great, great insight into why I do things. She's like, oh, I know why you're doing that, Maggie. And I think for a lot of people I grew up with and just people have known me along the way, they're like, I have no idea how you're like a productive member of society, but I am. So <laughs> wait, is that, is that supposed to be an insult or is that a compliment? I think it's a bit of both. I mean, I remember very distinctly like a 
grade five teacher being like, you're going nowhere. Like, just like, and I mean, I was a bit of a mess, but I was also very bright in some ways. And I think, you know, as a mom, I look now and I'm like, oh my gosh, if I was in school now, like it would be different. There would be like names for the problems I had. Right, right, right. Hey, well, you know what? I think that's probably what makes you pretty badass at business. So you started off bad, meaning good, guys, meaning good. So what did you actually want to grow up to be? So, you know, growing up, I was always a really great writer. So I wanted to be a writer. And then as I got a little older, I was like, oh, that's super impractical. I'm going to be a psychiatrist. So I obviously (laughs) had an interest in psychiatry. And then I realized, oh, Maggie, you're really, really like downright terrible at math and have some issues in this department. So I had to get super practical. So I went away to university. and was like, okay, I'm going to become a political correspondent. And then I realized I didn't have the constitution for journalism. So I ended up in PR school after that. And just, you know, all the communications things, because I'm like, well, I can write. That's something I'm really good at. And I can talk. How can I make money doing that? Okay. Okay. So so tell me about that. So you you went from uh, you went from being a psychologist to wanting to be a politician or I'm uh, sorry, a pol- political analyst. I don't even remember. Like a correspondent. How- when those people was like, hi, hi, hi from the devastation here in Greece after the political unrest. <laughs> OK, so you went from being a psychologist to a political correspondent and now you've landed in PR. So tell me about that PR journey. So that PR journey has been about 20 years in the making, but, you know, I really came out of, I went to university. I was like, oh, this degree means nothing. I went to two-year college. I was like, oh, good. I'm actually going to get a job now because I have a lot of student loans and I need to eat food. So I went through that whole thing and came out the other side and I was like, okay, what's the absolute best job I can get? What's the job that's the most interesting? What's going to pay me the most money? And it was working in an agency and I will never forget this as long as I live. My program coordinator in college was just like, you're not cut out for agency. And I was like, game on. She's like, you're not agency material. And I was like, just watch me. Mm, We're very similar in that way where it's like, if someone tells you to not do that, you can't do something. Oh, bitch, watch out. I'm gonna do it. Oh, we can curse just so you're aware. Oh, yeah. Like I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go get a job, not at an agency. I'm going to get a job at like the most fast growing, fast paced agency. And oh, I showed her. I was there for five years and I like Mm. got promoted, I think, five times in five years. I told see. Ah, Take that. Whatever your name was. Okay. So, um, okay. So you worked in an agency for, so you've been, you know, doing PR for the last 20 years. So um, I want you to tell me about the origins of the current company that you're running, because, um, you know, I want to know what led you to start your own business and why are you um, calling? Why are you? (laughs) I did. Yeah. She's like, if you go to her Instagram, uh, which is uh, let's see, it is small business boss you'll see that she is just she is she's like a a machine gun right now where she's like to the online coaching world so like okay so tell me about the origins of your company okay so basically 15 years ago i had a baby i was in an account director role i was like i have a husband who works shift work i commute over two hours a day i travel all the time like 
I'm very pregnant. And the year I was pregnant, like my mother was going through all this, these health problems. Like my sister had the, had a baby and had the baby from hell. And I was just like, it was like that wake up call. And I was like, Ooh, work is important, but like, this isn't going to work. So I basically never, I packed my office when I went to maternity leave. And I was like, I'm not coming back. (laughs) I I literally packed it up and they were like, no, but, and then finally at the end of my mat leave, they were like, are you coming back? And I said, no, I like told you I'm not coming back. Like, let's make this official. And my husband and I sat down and we like, he was basically like, you have four months to replace your salary. So I was like, okay, it's on. And I did it in six weeks because I was like, I'm going to go find all the clients. And, you know, so many people, when they start a business, they don't have business skills because of the job I had and the role I had, I had all the business skills. I was like, we can totally do this. So, you know, since then all these twists and turns, and now I run my own micro agency. And then I have my side project of small business boss, where that was really a response to so many of my peers being like, I don't understand how you're growing your business. I don't understand how you're able to do X or Y. Like, why are you making the money you're making? Why don't you seem stressed out by clients? Like, how are you doing this? And I was like, okay, I'm going to start mentoring other service business owners. And that's really what small business boss came out of. And, you know, I've always had a very um, strong viewpoint in the online world of like all the things I see wrong. Wrong is really not the word for it. (laughs) I think really it's more like, okay, maybe strong. We'll just, we'll just go with strong. Um, (laughs) I say the things that other people are afraid to say, like that's Mm -hmm. really and truly Mm -hmm. what it is because Mm -hmm. I, I, I mean, I realize this, I have the luxury of having another company so that if I, if I, if I get canceled on the internet, it's fine. My bills are still getting paid because in the online industry, people are so scared. Like I just wrote this 7,000 word essay, you know, hour long podcast episode. I did like 20 interviews for this. No one wants to go on the record. No one wants to talk about how bad things are behind the scenes because they're very fearful of the people with power, power. I'll use air quotes on that in this industry. And I'm just like, I've always blogged about this. I've always talked about it quietly and, you know, in the room on my podcast. And I was like, you know what? My Instagram, you now can become the, the, the vehicle for all of me, for me to say all of this, because there is so much broken. There's so much wrong. There's so much manipulation and so many good people are getting screwed over. And I'm just, I'm not here for it. And then, you know, I look at everything that happened in 2020 with the industry, how it responded to the pandemic, how it responded to Black Lives Matter. And I was just like, you know what? No, no, I need to like bring as many people with me to say like, I don't even care if you ever buy anything from me because I really and truly don't. I only work with service business owners, but if I can save you from wasting your life savings on that coaching program, I'm going to do it. Girl, it's part of the reason why I didn't even want to call myself a coach. Um, Just because I would, I saw what other people were doing. I'm like, these people actually don't know what they're talking about. They're just selling they're selling a lifestyle and they're just doing really good marketing, but they actually don't know what the fuck they're talking about. And so then I was like, well, I don't want to call myself a coach because I don't want to get caught up in that, in that world. And I can see how you can, I can see how easily people get caught up because even like when people are talking to me, they're like, oh, da, 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 da. like they put me up on a pedestal and it's like, girl, don't put me there. Uh, uh-uh, Nope. We're, I'm going to sit right beside you. And we're going to do this hand in hand because I've been where you are and I know what to do to get you here because I've done it. Whereas a lot of these other people haven't actually done it. Their first business is the coaching business. 
right? So, you know what, give me an example of what's going wrong in this particular online industry. Cause I, you know, I would hate for our listeners and especially uh, members of the Founders Fund. Like I don't want them getting caught up in this. So give me an example of what's wrong. So I think a great example is all the manipulation that happens around sales. So um, everything in like persuasion, you know, I'm a writer by training and by like, that's what people pay me to do. So, I mean, I know how this all works. I see it day in, day out, but there's a very specific set of sales tactics that are used in the online industry to manipulate people, to pull on their emotions, to mess with their mindset so that they open their wallet. And it's things like the mindset fuckery of, you know, you must invest or you're going to fail. Like everything is about like, how do I yeah. get you to open your wallet and things like I'm going to charge you $20,000 for this program. Let's not actually talk about the value. What they're doing is messing with scarcity and luxury pricing and short circuiting our brain. So I think, you know, as consumers, we have to look at, Hey, does this sound right? Has this person built trust with me? Hmm. Does their authority actually seem there? Because people lie on the internet all day oh long. Oh my gosh, it's big circle jerks. That's it what is. I find. It's like they're all just sort of jerking each other. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, well, so-and-so says I'm great, so I must be great. You you have to see that I'm great because so-and-so says I'm great. And it's like, um, are you? No. Yeah. Okay, so tell me some more because this is... Well, you, know, I, you have to go to her Instagram because it's... <laughs> You know what? Actually, here's one question I've been meaning to ask you. Yes. Why aren't you naming names? Oh, I am naming names. Oh, are you? Yeah. And oh. I actually have a meeting with my lawyer about this this afternoon. <laughs> yeah, because that's the reason. Yeah. yeah in my highlights, um, there's something I call Hall of Frame Friday, where I have done some very specific breakdowns of like, here's what this person's doing on their sales page. And this is why I disagree with it. And the one thing I have to be very careful with is number one, it's always, it's my opinion. So like right. disclaimer on the disclaimer on this disclaimer, which is why I have to meet with my lawyer. And then the other part of it is um, I'm not attacking someone's character. I'm attacking their business practices, whether they're a nice person or not. Yeah. I don't really know them, but we need to be able to say, Oh, this tactic, because here's the thing in all of this, if we never talk about it, it just gets perpetuated and then more people are being sucked in. What concerns me the most is there's entrepreneurship is more popular than ever. Freelancing is up by a lot. Thanks to COVID. There is like fresh baby entrepreneurs who are going to get screwed. And as someone who mentors people and has to deprogram people, has to unravel all this, I don't, I want to, I don't want to see any more of this. I mean, can I save everyone? No. But can I save a few people along the way? Absolutely. So I could call you Captain Save Entrepreneur <laughs> and Freelancer. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, thank you for that. Because, you know, I, I know I, I know it can be very, um, it's a hard thing to do because, you know, you've built up, especially if you've been doing, if you've been in the business for 20 years, um, you know, it can be hard to sort of put your reputation on the line in order to call people out. Because I did that earlier this year um, during the Black Lives Matter movement with a bunch of these um, these coaches who were shouting about, you know, empowerment for everyone. Um, but then when the Black Lives Matter movement came about, they decided that they were only going to empower those that looked like them. Um, and not actually take a stand because they didn't want to be political. And it's like, this isn't about being political. This is about being a human being. 
and and showing empathy for a group of people who, uh, you know, you've been using in order to sell your products. Like, so I had a problem with the girls who were, or for the coaches that were using um, black vernacular, like all the, yes, girl, you go queen and da, 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 da. But like, they didn't have that culture represented on their stages or on their sales pages or in their feed, but they were using it in order to, um, in order to gain followers and in order to sell their products, but they weren't willing to give us a piece of that pie, right? Um, so I called some people out and for that, people were like, I, I, like, you know, oh my goodness, you know, I knew it, I felt funny about it, but I didn't want to say anything. Well, this it's your responsibility to say something. If somebody's doing something that they should not be doing, say something. If they're doing something that's hurting people, say something. If you, if their business practices are unethical, say something, because I think as a human being, or even as an entrepreneur, it is your responsibility to help the next person or the next group of entrepreneurs, generation of entrepreneurs coming up because there are, they are being very deceitful in what they're selling. I can't agree more. And I think that's actually how I find you, found you, Gwen, my friend, Gwen. Ah. That we both know. We shared I was like, how do I not know this Vivian woman? I'm like, she's my new best friend on the internet. Because here's the thing is, it's exactly what you said. And as a white woman in this industry, like I can 100% see it. I can 100% co-sign in terms of everything you're saying. And I know it's it's been happening. Like it is so exclusive. The amount of privilege that goes with all the mindset and the, even this like one, you need to invest there is a bias there that assumes that people have access to that money. Just open another credit card, borrow it from your parents, take it from your mortgage. I'm like, what that's, are you on? Like, that's what dimension are you right in that you think people have these trust funds to pull from or a rich husband? Like, that's not how the majority of entrepreneurs are. Most people are like, how can I improve my life? And I don't have an RSP to liquidate, nor should you. So, oh makes me so angry <laughs> at the same time <laughs> you <laughs> yeah makes, yeah I can't know, even there's, like, yeah there's a lot of people angry but um so so Maggie how do you think we can make it better how do you think the online like what what is the responsibility of the online coaching world in order for people to um in order for entrepreneurs and freelancers to grow as you know, as a business or as a business owner or as a person, what do you think the online coaching world is responsible for or how can they do that? So I think number one, as business owners, especially those of us that are more established, we need to basically unfuck our marketing and sales practices because here's the thing in this. I talk to people all the time. They think they're ethical. They're not. They're doing the same shady, gross tactics. They're literally like sleeping with the enemy and I'm like, do you not see this? And like, there is, and mark my words, Vivian, there is going to be an entire rise of people who are like, look at me, I'm so ethical. And then you're going to take like one swipe and be like, huh? First of all, if you have to say that you're ethical, that's like people who say, I'm authentic. You don't, if you're authentic, you don't need to say it. If you're ethical, you don't need to say you're ethical. It's going to be shown in your actions and in your words and in your movements. It's going to be obvious. You don't need to tell everybody that. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, there's, you know, how do we as business owners ensure that we are like rooting these practices out of your business? And like, I have a very extensive essay over on smallbusinessboss.co talking about this, like 7,000 words worth, buckle up. 
talking about all these practices because we need to better educate ourselves. And then as consumers, we need to be able to be able to spot this in the wild, to be able to say, huh, that doesn't seem right. Or to take the time to not be triggered in the moment because there's like countdown timer saying you must buy the thing, like to make, be better stewards of our money and really make sure that there's that truth and trust and transparency with the people that we actually invest the money in. Don't do it because everyone else is doing it. Doing it because like, you know what? I've been following Viv for a while. You know, she's an expert on Shopify. I've been following Maggie. She knows her shit when it comes to service businesses. Like being very intentional about who you work with. And then the last thing is if you are a service provider and you work with clients, I feel like you have a duty. Like you have a duty to call your clients out on this and to help them root it out of their business. And I had, or I hosted a retreat this week and we talked extensively about this because they're all service providers. And I'm like, I see my clients do this. And I'm like, you need to call them on that. You need to educate them on alternatives and you need to be willing to walk away. Oh, we could talk all day about this, this whole industry because it's, it's, it's an interesting one. And I think COVID has really pushed it to the forefront because now people have nothing. Now they're, you know, acting on their, um, their dreams of becoming an entrepreneur or a freelancer. Um, and then more and more people are all of a sudden experts on how to do whatever it is that they're, you know, trying to sell you to do. But I am guilty of having a countdown timer. Uh, but that's from my, you know, that's from my e-commerce, you know, that's, that's my e-commerce mind knowing that, you know, that sense of urgency moves people to act. Right. So um, here's the yeah. thing is, the tactics themselves are neutral. It's how we deploy the tactics. Ah. So you can't look at a countdown timer and go, all countdown timers are evil. It's the context in which the countdown timer is used and what is the attention. And if anyone wants to look more into this, there's something called ethical persuasion. It's called the terrorist test and it runs through this. So it's a really great checklist for marketing and sales practice to say, hey, you know what? Maybe I should back off on this tactic or I should, um, you know, I should use this a little more. Like one of the easiest ones to fix for most of us is storytelling. Tell stories that aren't designed to traumatize or be dramatic. Like so many times people are sharing their trauma stories and it's very hard for the audience and it messes with their mind. It's not good. Give me an example of a trauma story. So this is actually one a friend shared with me and I think it's, we all have big stories. We all have things from our past, but so many times things are shared in a way that there's no care for our audience. So um, a great example is I had a friend, she's at a conference, a woman start, gets up and she starts talking about her abuse story. There's no trigger warning and there's no plan for what happens to people when they're triggered after the fact. So she, this friend of mine, she's a therapist. She's out in the hallway consoling people. And so many times we don't think about the impact of our audience. We're thinking about how can I make an emotional connection? We're going to make an emotional connection. We need to be really responsible about how we do that. And I think one big thing is like, just thinking about what's the intention behind the story. Is the intention to be like, hey, I get it. I've been there with you. Like, here's what I did. Like really being thoughtful and real about it. Or are you doing it for a dramatic impact? Mm, I would, I would, I would hedge a bet and be like, most people do it for dramatic impact, right? Bingo. Um, yeah. Wow. I never thought about it that way. Thanks for, thanks for bringing that up. You're giving me something to think about. <laughs> All right. Actually, can you, can you just mention the name of that, um, the checklist for the sales and marketing? 
Yeah, it's the terrorist test and it's for ethical persuasion. Wait, spell so, that because it sounds like terrorist. <laughs> terrorist, T A R E S. And it just basically like goes through all these things. And I think for anyone, once you kind of read it and internalize it, like I keep it printed out. So if I'm not sure, I'm like, let's run that by the terrorist test and just see what's happening. And it's like an academic rigorous thing. So it's not something some person on the internet made up in their spare time. Right, right, right. Wow. Okay. Oh, well, we talked, a, we've talked about a lot. So let's, let's get back. <laughs> let's get back to you and being, you know, the entrepreneur that you are. Um, so what kind of resources of support do you think are, are useful for you um, when you're a mess? Like I know, you know we, the entrepreneurship can be really messy. So what sort of resources of support do you lean on for that? So as much as I have issues with the coaching world, I think having a coach or a mentor that's not a million zillion dollars to work with that you can trust that can literally be that hotline for when you're having the inevitable, I'm going to burn this down day. Or sometimes I'm like, I call it, I'm going to go to work at Tim Horton's day. And it's not, I, no- I call it the, I'm going to find a sugar daddy day. <laughs> Because here's the thing, there's nothing wrong with working at Tim Hortons, but that's not really my plan, right? Like I have these fantasies about like, oh, I'm just going to go and bake all the buns. And it's like, I'd be miserable baking the buns. So maybe I need someone to talk to you about this. It's a great fantasy though, sometimes. Well, I mean, if they'd give me all I can eat donuts. Oh, (laughs) I mean, why not? you know, having someone that can, who's been there, done that, and help you navigate those experiences. And that can be in group setting with something like Founders Fund, or it can be in that one-on-one. But I know for me, like, I don't call myself a coach, I'm a mentor. And like, I get a, sometimes I wake up in the morning and it's like, hey, I'm really struggling with this or that. Like, I've literally been through these people through babies and divorces and you name it, like deaths of loved ones. Like we've done all these things together. And like, we're personally very invested in like the business and their success as a human. Wow. That's, um, that's great. That's, that's good. It's always good to have that sort of support system, um, in place. So here's, here's something I need to ask you. What's the best piece of advice and the worst piece of advice you have received like business or otherwise I just want to I I feel like you have some in your in your purse (laughs) so one of the um I think worst pieces of advice I ever got was from my mom who is like you need to be more girly I get the same advice from my mom you don't have husband because you don't cook and you don't I'm like but I make money I I mean he can I can hire a cook but wow. Okay. You know what? Tell me more about that. I think for my mother, like I was, you know, I would, you would never use these terms now, but in seventies, eighties terms, I was very much a tomboy as most of my friends were boys. I don't, I didn't at the time have a lot of time for girl drama. You know, I was messy. My hair was never brushed. And then as I got into puberty, she's like, no boy is ever going to like you. And I was like, whatever, take it or leave it. And I've been married for 20 years now. So she can, not that that's the measure of it, but I was just like, yeah, wrong. He likes it when I wear a baseball hat. <laughs> mm. There's some, there's a pot for every lid or a lid for every pot. There we go. I believe that 100%. Yes. So what's the best piece of advice you've ever gotten? Oh my gosh. So I always think of one of my very early mentors who was my boss and he was just like, listen, 
we were a very small, scrappy, upstart company. He's like, we're not going to win on being the flashiest or the whatever. He's like, just show up and do your thing. Do you. And that will work. And you know what? That works. It still works this day. Like if I feel myself getting misaligned, I'm like, okay, well, what would Maggie really say? Like what would not fancy Maggie or rich Maggie or famous Maggie? Like what would Maggie say? Like messy, top, top knot, drinking a beer on the weekends, Maggie have to say about that. She always has, she always has the best advice. Okay, so um okay, so here's another one. 2020 was a craptastic year. Well, for the most part. So what has what have you actually learned from this whole pandemic COVID situation? Ooh, so so very much. I think, you know, there's two kind of things that stand out to me. Number one is when push comes to shove, when shit hits the fan, people are going to show you who they are. Take notes because There's been many moments of truth along the way in 2020. And I think with the U.S. election, we're about to have another one, potentially, regardless of the outcome. And believe it, like like the quote from Dr. Angelou, like when people show you, believe them, because we always have excuses about why it's not there. And I'm like, it is literally like flashing in your face saying, I'm a problem. Believe it. And be okay with having the conversations you need to have or calling them out or whatever it is. Like we all have influence in our own way. So how can we use that influence, whether it's talking to your mother or calling someone out on the internet? There's a lot. And then the other thing is too, I think, you know, when we started with COVID back in March, everyone's like, oh, we're all doomed. Like, you know, we are, we are screwed. And I look at my mentoring clients. I look at my own business. Like, there is a resilience in entrepreneurship. There is a, you know, that plucky can do spirit that mm-hmm. got people through. And I have, I'm having one of my best years in the business. I know many people are having one of their best years and it's not because they got any magical powers. It's because that they had that belief and that pluckiness to say like, all right, this sucks. This was not in the plan, but like, how can I adjust the plan and how can I figure this out and save the day? Right. I'm always saying focus on the goal, not the plan, because yeah, make a plan and see how see how the universe laughs at you <laughs> or throws COVID at you. Um, so what's the next big thing for your business, Maggie? So, you know, that's always a good question. <laughs> what do I plan for 2021? Um, but I think for small business boss and both the agency, like there are some internal initiatives we are really focused on based on things we've learned this year. So things like our giving strategy, like we've always tried to be very intentional with giving away a portion of our profits, formalizing that, having be like, hey, these are the organizations I support. How can we pull people up with us? through entrepreneurship, through other things we're doing. And then the second thing is too, as part of that, um, I'm really looking at, you know, if I'm having a really great year and the business is performing well, how do I reward the team that I have put in place? How do we share that? And how do we continue to share that? So that, you know, it's not just about the business, like making me more money. How is it how's everyone winning in this ecosystem and how are we um, kind of deconstructing some of the bad things I don't like about how we work economically in the real world. Okay. Okay. Sounds like you got a lot, uh, you know, you got a lot coming up and I, I'm very excited to see it. 
So here's the final question. And I, I cannot wait to hear your answer. Maggie, what makes you bad for business? I am bad for business because I have always been underestimated. And I think this is the story of many entrepreneurs. And just take that being underestimated, that grade five teacher who says you're not going to amount to anything, that person who says your business isn't going to make it, and use it as fuel. And those days it's not good, be like, nope, I'm going to get back up. I'm going to show them because we as women so many times get underestimated. And we all bring different things to the table and we need to be like, yeah, there's room for me. Here I come. Mm, You know, I'm all about that. I'm all about that. Well, thank you so, so very much, Maggie, for this chat. I'm sure you've inspired many people who are listening. Thank you so much, Viv. This has been another episode of your favorite unconventional and unfiltered business podcast, Bad for Business. We'll see you again next week where we will be finding out the real stories behind the success of another bad for business entrepreneur. Be sure to check out the Founders Fund community at foundersfund.ca.